Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is DJ Martin, one of the pastors here at Parker Ford Church, and thanks so much for joining us today as we continue going through our ongoing midweek teaching series that we've been in for several months now on the Bible called Regarding Scripture. Throughout the series, we've looked at where the Bible has come from, we've touched on the purpose of the Bible, different ways of reading the Bible devotionally or for study, reading it with our hearts, our minds, reading it for, for the forming of our souls. Today, I want to talk about something really practical, and that is Bible translations. My guess is if you're watching this video, your primary uh, language and probably heart language, meaning the language you grew up in and the emotions of your heart are most uh, fluently expressed in, is English. Because we read in English, uh, because our first language is English, choosing a Bible translation is unaffordable or unavoidable, excuse me. So unless you can go back and read uh, the manuscripts in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, um, you need a Bible translation. And um, even for those who do have some of those skills uh, to be able to go back, it's still, if, if English is your primary language, uh, you're still going to be interacting uh, with Bible translations. Uh, I don't know when the last time you were at a Christian bookstore, um, but if you've ever gone and tried to, or if you've ever gone to purchase a Bible at a Christian bookstore, like we have one here in Pottstown, it's a great little Christian bookstore. And even in this uh, relatively small uh, bookstore, there's just dozens and dozens of different things uh, to choose from. There's probably 30 different translations in there. Uh, there's the big ones like NIV, NASB, King James, New King James, NLT, and a whole host of others. But then each of those is subdivided into different like editions. Um, you know, updates or even like different marketing things like this is, you know, if you're into hunting, this is the men's hunting Bible or, or the new mother's, uh, new mother's NIV Bible or <laughs> going through a hard time Bible or grief Bible or, you know, there's all, all of these different marketing things. So how do we choose uh, what to read? How do we choose uh, what, what translation is best? So I want to talk about uh, translations just for a few minutes. Uh, one of the books that I had in seminary um, was a book called Grasping God's Word, a hands-on approach to reading, interpreting, and applying the Bible. And um, I really appreciated what, what uh, Scott Duvall and Daniel Hayes have to say about Bible translations and specifically English translations. So I'm going to use uh, some of their some of their stuff from their chapter on uh, choosing a Bible translation. There's this chart right at the beginning of uh, the chapter on Bible translations that's really helpful. And so, if you are following along on the screen, maybe you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, um, you won't be able to see it obviously if uh, you're listening to the podcast. So I'll do my best to describe it. But there's this whole process that the scriptures have gone through. Uh, which we've alluded to earlier in the series, but there's this whole process that the scriptures have gone through uh, before they arrive on our bookshelf, <laughs> before, you know, before it comes uh, to the, the actual physical Bible that we hold and, and read, or, you know, if you, even if you're reading online or reading through a Bible app on your phone. 
So obviously, um, for those of us who believe that the Bible is inspired, that there's actual revelation from God's spirit um, that directed uh, the words, the text, we believe that where it starts is the divine author. And so this is the highest level of inspiration that God, uh, specifically through the Holy Spirit, um, speaks. And he speaks to a human author. And these are the human authors of the scriptures. And so in the New Testament, you know, the gospel writers or the writers of the epistles, uh, like Paul, Peter, James, John. And so that's a human author that's still under the level of inspiration. Um, and then their uh, recorded words uh, that they wrote down or had a scribe uh, write down. Uh, for them. And so that would be the original text or, or scripture. And so all of that would fall under the category of inspiration. At the second level, you have transmission. And so that uh, original text, having been divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit and uh, given uh, through the human uh, agent or the human author, written down onto the text, um, then there's copies of that original text. So just to be clear, there's, there's no existent um, original text, like there's no existent original letter that Paul sent to the church of Rome, like that, whatever the, the, the that actual manuscript uh, is, has been lost to history along with every other book um, in the Bible. And so what we have are copies of the original text that were made by uh, other scribes. And so this is in the transmission level. So first is inspiration and then it is transmission. So uh, the original text is then copied uh, by by um, various scribes or, or friends uh, as, as the letters and gospels begin to circulate the early church. Um, what we have uh, today are uh, what are known as critical texts. These, these are a, a manuscripts. We have lots and lots of either partial or, or somewhat full manuscripts um, in the original languages. They're not the original ones, but they're copies of the original ones or copies of copies of the original ones. And so what scholars do is they take all of these many, 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 um, you know, let's say they're uh, working off of uh, the scroll of Isaiah. And, um, and so scholars have collected all the manuscripts of that are in existence, known existence uh, of the book of Isaiah. And they put it all together to find the best uh, sort of critical text, the one that agrees with the most copies or makes the most sense. So um, this then moves to the level of translation and interpretation. So at the top is inspiration. God speaks to a human author. The human author records it. It then goes into the level of transmission uh, as uh, the original texts are then copied and transmitted. Uh, scholars gather these critical texts, and then now we're moving into translation and interpretation. So a translator or translation committee looks at these, um, these, these manuscripts. And so there's a famous uh, Greek collection of manuscripts. And uh, for the New Testament, there's a famous uh, Hebrew um, standard Bible, which is a collection of uh, Hebrew uh, texts. And then translators work off of those to create an English translation, um, which then is edited by a committee and uh, proofread and, and goes through the whole uh, publishing process and then arrives in the form of the Bible that uh, 
you know, is like this one here on my desk, an English standard version, or arrives to you uh, via uh, your phone through the Bible app, in which case you have um, access to dozens and dozens of different translations. All of them have gone through this proce process. It starts with uh, inspiration, moving to transmission, and then into translation and interpretation. There is no perfect translation. There's not even a best translation. Um, there's different methods uh, for, for translating, and there's different goals behind each approach. And so I just want to look uh, for a few minutes at um, some of the approaches. So there's two main approaches uh, to Bible translation when it, when it goes through that process and to take the original uh, sort of Greek and Hebrew manuscripts and bring them into English. Okay. Uh, the two main approaches to Bible translation are, are the formal approach. Um, that's also known as the literal or word-for-word -word approach. And then the second one is the functional or the idiomatic or thought-for-thought -thought approach. Now, different people prefer either one of uh, these. Some people prefer, prefer a more formal word-for-word -word literal translation. Uh, some people prefer more functional or uh, idiomatic thought-for-thought approach. Uh, I'll just give you my opinion. I think, I think that both are really important. And I think that uh, one isn't better than the other, that they kind of balance each other out. And so they both have strengths and they both have uh, some uh, potential weak points. So we can look at those uh, for a second. So this is, uh, again, from grasping uh, God's word. Uh, the formal approach, here are some strengths and weaknesses uh, with the formal approach, which is the more literal word-for-word -word approach. So the more formal approach tries to stay as close as possible to the structure and words of the source language. Translators using this approach feel a keen responsibility to reproduce the forms of the original Greek and Hebrew whenever possible. So far, so good. That's great. We want to read as closely as, as we possibly can uh, to what the authors were saying. Um, but the downside is that the formal approach is less sensitive to the receptor language of the contemporary reader and as a result may appear stilted or awkward. Formal translations run the risk of sacrificing meaning for the sake of maintaining form. There's a whole bunch of reasons for this. One uh, is that because both Greek and Hebrew have different rules than English and uh, sentence structure is different and uh, let alone all of the the translation that needs to happen from like a cultural perspective of we just live in a very different world today in the 21st century than uh, the one that the authors were writing from. And so the formal approach uh, tries to take a more word for word uh, translation approach. And so like some of the more famous ones that use this approach would be like the New American Standard uh, Bible, the English uh, Standard Version, the ESV, uh, the Christian Standard Bible, the uh, CSB or HCSB, Holcomb Christian Standard Bible. These, these uh, tend to be more uh, of a formal approach or more word for word literal translation. And they uh, are all excellent translations in different ways and bring different strengths, but they do run the risk of losing actually some meaning um, in order to maintain the form. And sometimes you can, you can get that, especially in the Psalms, like, sometimes it's more helpful in the Psalms that are meant to be these poetic, beautiful songs of uh, prayer or celebration, lament. Sometimes that's lost. Uh, some of the emotion in it is lost in the more wooden uh, word for word translations. Uh, 
So uh, the other approach is the functional approach, and it also has strengths and weaknesses. The, the more functional approach tries to express the meaning of the original text in today's language. That seems like a good thing, right? Um, here the translators, uh, translator feels a responsibility to reproduce the meaning of the original text in English so that the effect on today's reader is equivalent to the effect on the ancient reader. So the, the goal is uh, that as we read and soak in the world, it would have the same effect on us holistically as it did on the original readers. Again, that's good. However, the functional approach is not always as sensitive as it should be to the wording and structure of the source language. Sometimes um, there are, are, are certain steps that are taken that may stretch uh, the language a little bit. When it moves too far away from the form of the source language, the functional approach runs the risk of distorting the true meaning of the text. So both of these approaches have real strengths and both of them have uh, potential blind spots or, or weaknesses. So how do you choose a translation? Well, uh, choose a translation. Here, here's a number of steps. Uh, and I, I actually think each of these points are, are really good. So uh, choose a translation that uses modern English. Uh, the whole point of making a translation is to move the message of the original text to a language that you can understand. Unless you were reading from like the literal first piece of parchment that Paul wrote, the epistle to... Uh, the church in Ephesus on, um, there's been a transmission translation process. And so use a translation that, that utilizes your heart language, which is modern English. The whole point of making a translation is to move the message of the original text to a language you can understand. History teaches that languages change over time and English is no exception. The English of John Wycliffe, who made the first English translation, um, or of 1611 when the first King James version came out, or even of the late 1700s, which was the last update to the King James, um, not including the new King James version, um, is simply not the same as the English of the 21st century. So don't be afraid of, of a translation that uses modern English. This is always how translations work. All right, secondly, choose a translation that is based on the standard Hebrew and Greek text. The standard text for the Old Testament is the BHS. Uh, for the New Testament, the standard text is reflected in the latest edition of the GNT. If you have your um, Bible translation, you open up to the publisher notes at the beginning, it'll tell you what the committee worked off of, like the manuscripts that they worked off of. And um, for for usually for the best translations, they're worked off of, uh, of these two things, the BHS and GNT. All right, thirdly, give preference to a translation by a committee over against a translation by the end, by an individual. I think this is a really good point. Uh, translating requires an enormous amount of knowledge and skill. I mean, there are people that build their careers on just biblical scholars that build their whole careers on, on expertise in like just a few handful of words and really like build, build a lifetime a career of study and work over like just specific words that they develop and study. So like the Bible has thousands and thousands of words from these ancient languages. Translating requires an enormous amount of knowledge and skill, way more than any one person can do. Um, now, obviously, translation has to start somewhere. So there's a lot of languages in the world that don't have a translation in them. And so it's like one or two people that are translating like the New Testament into, you know, like a language in Southeast Asia or something like that. In that case, 
yes, like one person doing that work to bring the first edition of the Bible into that language is, is totally appropriate and a beautiful thing. But the goal would be over time for, for those, uh, that native speaking group of people then to develop a committee over time or a group of people who would then be able to continue that work and make it even better um, because translating requires an enormous amount of knowledge and skill. And so a group of qualified translators will certainly possess more expertise than any one translator uh, possibly could. In addition, a group of scholars will usually guard against the tendency of an individual uh, scholar to read their own personal biases into the translation. All of us have different slants. All of us uh, have different, you know, have different things that are a big deal to us. And that's true for translators too. And so when there's a committee, it guards against, you know, one idea being highlighted as the most important and missing maybe some of the other ones that should also be highlighted. All right, also choose a translation that is appropriate for your own particular purpose at the time. This is the most practical thing for us today. When you wanna read uh, devotional or read to children, uh, consider a simplified functional translation like the NLT. I love, I, that's the Bible I've read the most in my own devotions over the years is the New Living Translation or the NCV. If you are reading to non-traditional or unchurched people, consider, consider the CEV or the message translation. If you're reading to people with English as a second language, consider the Good News Bible, the GNB. For serious Bible study, or in-depth Bible study, do uh, you utilize some of the more formal word-for-word -word translations like the NASB, NRSV, SV, Holcomb Christian Standard Bible, NET Bible, or the NIV. And um, I've really, really come in recent years to really, really appreciate more than I had in the past. I think the NIV has sort of like a really healthy balance between these two approaches. I mean, the NIV, especially the updated version, uh, really does a great job. So does the CSB. Um, they do a great job of, of sort of threading the needle uh, between remaining uh, committed to both being uh, readable and understandable while also uh, really doing their best to stay close to the text. Um, again, there's no best translation. <laughs> there's lots of really good ones and each of them have strengths and each of them have uh, have some serious weaknesses. Um, you know, the NASB can be a great Bible for SETI, for instance, uh, but it can be a tough one to just read. It's so wooden in so many different ways. And by wooden, I mean like so like choppy. It doesn't flow because it's not a thought for thought Bible. The ESV, another uh, highly um, uh, recommended often uh, translation that I've used also a lot. Um, it has a, a very specific viewpoint, particularly when it comes to gender roles and women and women's roles. And so there's some uh, sketchy translation work that they do, particularly in, in Romans and in some of the other New Testament uh, books where they change a female name to a male name. And so the SV is a strong translation, but I would argue that it that it has a slant that might not be helpful all the time. Um, NIV has strengths and weaknesses. NLT, CSB, they, they all have strengths and weaknesses. And so what I would just uh, really um, encourage you is to read from multiple translations and uh, do the work of, of you know, knowing uh, this one is really helpful when I'm, 
I'm trying to study deeply. And this one's helpful when I'm just trying to kind of lose myself in the presence of the Lord. And uh, so, yeah, in, in English, we have so many resources and so many of them are free to us through the Bible app or online. Um, and so I hope that you read broadly and read from a lot of different translations and continue to love uh, the Bible and continue to learn to love the Lord, even as you read. So have a great day. Thanks so much for joining us. Go with God. Be blessed.